Hey, Internet. Welcome back to the Mind Vector Podcast. If you're a returning listener and would like to support the podcast, give us a like and a subscribe. And if you'd like to share your thoughts, leave them on our YouTube, BitChute, or Facebook. All right. Quick so, <laughs> I'm uh, recording again. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, there used to be a karaoke website like that. I don't remember the name of it. It was a long time ago, but it would just be whatever song you wanted. Well, I think they probably had a limited selection because of the copyright bullshit. Yeah. But people would just post themselves singing to it and other people could listen in or whatever and rate it. So the good ones fell to the top <laughs> and the bad ones descended to the depths of hell where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be right down there with them. I always was... wanted to go to karaoke. Did you ever play Rock Band? I, mean, uh, I, I yeah. never played that many games, but Rock Band is pretty popular all around because it's, it's a lot like karaoke except in your living room. Mm-hmm. If you have the microphone anyway. Uh, I never did the mic one. I always just played guitar. I always did the mic. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't picture you singing. Um, you probably don't want to. <laughs> yeah, same here. You don't want to hear me. Yeah, I was probably at the depths of hell too. Especially with the songs I used to like. Um, I only knew a few, so I'd try to play the, the few I did know that were on Rock Band on Expert, and it's hard. I couldn't do the high notes too well. <laughs> so I don't have like an ear for music yeah I do I just can't rep- reproduce it very well <laughs> I thought I could but apparently not <laughs> once I started recording <laughs> and replaying that shit I'm like what I don't sound like that in my head at all <laughs> to the sound <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah it's pretty much like it goes for everybody though. Like, man that sound amazing I gotta find some distortion or something on this program so where's the auto tune feature? <laughs> yeah, switch that bitch on. I heard auto tune uh, was originally something that they used to was it to find oil or something? It was like a geo tool. Really? Yeah, it was something that they used to measure something underground or locate something, and then I think someone ended up playing with their voice with it, and then they're like, "Oh, we can use this for rap." Went <laughs> 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 for other stuff, but now rap, rap is just taking it to the next level. Let's send this to Cher. Yeah, Cher was the oldest one I know of before rap yeah. used it. I never listened to any Cher, though. I had never listened to her before that Do You Believe in Love After Love song came out. And it sounded weird. I thought it was a dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, no, that's, a, that's Cher. Like, what? <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I, I, um, I remember when I was younger, I used to think Michael, I didn't know if Michael Jackson was a man or a woman. When I was like four or five, I saw some video. I don't, I don't remember what it was called, but it was. I think him and Janet Jackson were both in it. It was in black and white, and I think there was like a shuttle launch in the background or something. <laughs> so I, I don't remember. Look at these sisters singing together. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, I knew him when he was still. Uh, well, like when I was a little kid, my parents would listen to his his. Uh, what was it? Uh, off the wall, I think. No, it's probably not that one. It's what the one where he's like laying down and there's like a little, like a leopard or something next to him, <clears throat> and he was still black, <laughs> pre pre surgery, pre body dysmorphia. <laughs> yeah, I heard he had instead of vitiligo or something like that. Yeah, he still had his fro in that one. <laughs> I always remember because of. Did you ever watch Boondocks? The yeah. Show? yeah. Yeah, Uncle Ru- Uncle Ruckus said he had revitiligo. 
<laughs> yes, knock yes. knock on every. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's actually an Instagram model. Um, she has some type of skin condition, and um, her skin has all those splotches and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just went with she, it. Some people yeah. actually try to do like uh, something to get their skin to even out. Yeah. Yeah, she just put it out there. Yeah. She, I think I've seen her. She like put she puts makeup on her dark spot, like her her color, but she doesn't cover up the white, the uh, the parts that don't have pigment. So it's still like there. It's like why why are you putting makeup on then? Because <laughs> her skin is perfect. It's like it's not. There's no blemishes or anything. So. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's just two different colors. At least if we're thinking of the same one, like she's just mm-hmm. black and white. So I wonder how people thought about that in the ancient days. <laughs> yeah. People born with those conditions. I know, like in Africa, if you're an albino, they uh, they basically think you're magical. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. shit. It's not a good thing, though. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, we better get that albino's, like, his foot, because that's good luck. And the albino's like, no, I, I kind of like my foot. <laughs> and the mob's coming at night and chopping off parts of them. It's brutal. Well, in the wild, it's dangerous. It's I mean, a- they don't survive. Like, if it's a lion or a, I don't know, like a cub. An albino cub? Yeah. They're they? just, oh, if they're, well, look. To hunt. No, it's easier to spot, there's, to spot them if they're little. And, I mean, they just end up getting eaten by other predators, like I guess hyenas, because they're the number one predators of lions. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's but, some uh, truth to the lion king. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought hyenas were supposed to be scavengers. I thought they just kind of. I'm sure no, they would they're, attack if they're, they're hungry, but I don't know that they actually go after a lion. Yeah, they'll. If it's one on one, hyena. Hyena wins. They have the strongest uh, jaws of the animal kingdom. Hmm. Yep. Fight force. You know that their uh, women have like fake dicks. The hyenas. Yeah. Yeah. The females have like this giant. I, f- I forgot the like the scientific term, but it's just like a. It's a fake. Penis. It's like an. App- yeah, it's an appendage, and they get pregnant through it and give birth through it and all that shit. <laughs> and they're the females are bigger than the males. Yeah. So it's it's a weird fucking Dynamic. animal, hyenas. Yeah. And then they sound like they're laughing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Women just run around laughing and pegging the men. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to rebirth, if you're How do uh, they... a dude, you don't want to hide a rebirth. <laughs> how do they fuck? Like, how does that even work? Snoo snoo. Snoo snoo. <laughs> <laughs> the hyena comes up to the male and she's like, I like you and I want you. <laughs> Docking? No, I think you're talking. <laughs> you're thinking of docking. You ever looked into docking? Um, I know what it is, but I don't look into it. <laughs> <laughs> we use those words exactly. You're not into docking? <laughs> nope. Very uh, heterosexual. That's how the hyenas do it. Let's just say that. <laughs> Fucking hyenas. Yeah, a lot of animals made in weird ways. Is that the anglerfish they fuse to their mates? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the males. The males come up and they just get absorbed into the woman. 
Yeah, she's basically carrying around the sperm sack at that point. Uh. <laughs> you get to see all of her baggage when you when you meet her. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they get like multiple males just attached to them all around him. Or I mean, like ten males just stuck on there like parasites. <laughs> <laughs> Got unlimited supply sperm. Saw this article about basically people were the the writer was pointing out how it's kind of weird that we gender certain products in the United States, like toothbrushes. Uh-huh. Yeah, we gender them. Yeah, like it's it's marketing. It's just a marketing play, and most people they'll kind of well, I don't know about most people. It depends on how how you think, basically, but. They'll have like female like tooth, tooth, yeah, like female yeah. toothbrush, yeah. <laughs> opposed to just a toothbrush or a lady razor, opposed to just yeah. a razor. Make that them... always pissed me off because the lady razors are shit, and they're huge. And it's like, why, why do I need this? I don't. And I've never been like a pink person. I've been like girly shit. And I've never been into the girly shit. So I always use like dude razors. They work way better. <laughs> Remember, I got into a disagreement with a, a girl about that. She was saying she wasn't a feminist, and I was wondering how far, like the that that part of the personality that likes equality, or at least the rhetoric of it, goes. Mm-hmm. So she was basically. I, I was asking her, "So what's the example here?" And she's like, "Well, when I go to the store, she was young. When I, I think she was like in her early twenties, so." Mm-hmm. <laughs> When I go to the store, when I buy a razor for a woman, it's an extra dollar or two. And men razors are cheaper and they should be equal. I'm like, why don't you just buy the men razors? <laughs> and it like broke her brain for a second. She's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you have options. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, I can. That. I'm like, well, what's going to happen if you buy it? And then she was just like, I don't want to speak about this anymore. Let's just watch the movie. Let's just watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to grow a beard if you, <laughs> you shave with a dude razor. <laughs> She'll sprout a micro penis. God. <laughs> <laughs> how, did we, how did we talk about start... Go from singing to micro penises. We've come a long way. <laughs> There's a joke about um, Castrati in there somewhere. Oh, what? So there's a potential joke about Castrati in there somewhere. I'd never heard that. Um, basically, they used to castrate men at a young age to preserve their singing <laughs> voice. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I did. I didn't know it was called that. I didn't know how it ter- had a term. Just castrating. Yeah, well, that's where that's the reward. So castrati, that was the guys who could sing really high pitched because without the sex organs, they didn't get that hit that changed their voice. So hmm. they were able to maintain it for into older years. Well, that's one way to do it, I guess. Yeah, people were hardcore back then. <laughs> That's hardcore. <laughs> hardcore priorities right there. Like, well, do you want a dick or you want to be a pro singer? <laughs> I can have both. 
<laughs> they do that to uh, male bulls if they don't want them uh, reproducing. They just want the the top male to to impregnate the the herd. They castrate the rest. If there are any males born, yeah. and then they, it also uh, it keeps them from leaning out too much, so they're able to still slaughter them and sell them. Because if they still have their sex organs and they're just running around fucking all the time, and they don't get any fat on them, <laughs> so they're basically useless, eating up all the food. <laughs> yeah. That happens with animals. Well, not that. Well, yeah, no, no shit. The bulls an animal. The bulls, <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, I knew someone that happened with their cats. It happens with domesticated animals too. I hear that. Yeah, they stay fixed, But they uh, start just eating more. Yep. Fat kitty. Fat gay kitties. <laughs> fat gay kitties. Well, the fat, uh, the fat, <laughs> the male cats, once they're fixed, they're a lot like sweeter than a female. Because they're just lazy and chilling and lost for some reason. Yeah, they just live for the food and the pets, (laughs) for the petting and the scratches and all that. So, male cats, pretty chill. But yeah, I'm surprised that our cat got so so uh, chilled out after after fixing him because he was a wild he was a wild one. Kind of a butthead. <laughs> okay. I'm recording. So, had a situation with a buddy yesterday. And it kind of got me thinking about how difficult it is for people to see outside of their own ideology. Mm. And how to avoid becoming an ideologue. Like, uh, I know... Uh, I think I've heard Jordan Peterson phrase it in a way that if you're disregarding your own personal experiences for what your ideology is, then that's probably the biggest sign that you've already been taken by that idea. And Mm. it's, I guess I can't really think of any smaller forms of ideology other than politics and religion, because those are the two largest things that people really face. Mm-hmm. and it's it's a human nature issue because you do see it a bit when it comes to scientists like even in the science area people mm-hmm. can get rigidly dogmatic about what they assume to be the way something works and if someone comes in with a newer way of thinking about it they meet a lot of resistance the first time I heard about that um I was trying to really understand it. Uh, one of the monks I listened to a lot, he brought up the notion of of uh, scientism, and it's where people kind of slip and they start treating science like a religion. Ooh. So the wording is kind of hard to to really place to it because you know uh, <laughs> the typical personality type of uh, you know being super scientific or whatever they kind of scoff at religious ways of thinking because that's how. That's all science. Um, that's that's one of the presuppositions that if you're scientific, there's no room for to be rational with religion. Mm-hmm. Well, it's com- it's a competition. Yeah. It's like if you're if you're in science, 
if you've got your scientist hat on, then you're going to see everything. You're going to try to have an objective view about every single thing and you want answers and you want everything basically in black and white. Whereas spirituality, it's like, it's all the things that science can't answer. It's like yin and yang. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're two different, very different animals. And as far as becoming uh a scientism <laughs> you're getting into scientism where like you think that the only means of by which society should basically determine values it's like well it's like the human experience is subjective whereas science is presumably objective like scientists train really consciously to eliminate their own object to keep from their own subjective biases from interfering with their work. So it's very, it's a very rigorously trained way of executing their experiments or their studies so that their own personal shit that they're carrying does not leak into it because they want it to be as objective as possible. See, and like you're saying there, that's part of science is to try to keep it objective and overcome your own yeah nature because it's hard for humans to be objective if not yeah impossible it's it's a very disciplined so only field. i think only the people that are kind of at the the uh top the top of that that i don't know if i would say field or industry i don't know if those are the right words but people at the top of those studies are probably on the the ones more capable of it opposed to the ones that trickle down. And I guess what I'm kind of trying to put into words here is that as the information trickles down, people that are not capable of doing that will start to treat these scientific things. They'll, they'll use the information with that. For their own. Not even intentionally, like uh, not for their own agenda or whatever, but they'll get kind of religious about it in their own way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a good example of that is uh, like uh, Cole Robinson, the, the snake fast um, mm-hmm. drinking salt water. Diet. Yeah. And he has to go up. Like I saw he was on some daytime TV show and the people watching that are like, this is anti-scientific. You're going to kill people. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, their heads are going to explode from the blood pressure that the salt causes. Oh God. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> quite exaggerating, but that's, that's how people think. And, and then that's kind of what I'm getting at here is that people have that rigid dogmatic thinking. They'll hear something from whatever they think is at the peak of like whatever, whatever ideology they're really into or whatever they're, they find that they're most about. So, you know, it can be anything. It can be politics religion or science so as that trickles down to people that aren't at the um the spear tip of these things they they just get rigid about the rules so and like i was saying when it comes to the whole salt thing that's a that's that's something like that too where the the newer information hasn't trickled down entirely people think that salt is 
you know, just as bad as sugar because that's just what the old information was and it hasn't really rippled out to become more correct among people. Yeah, there was a huge, huge uh, promotion from basically the government for us to eat a certain way, like the food pyramid. (laughs) And that turned out, it's come out that it's not the way that we should be eating at all. But it's been pushed for so long and it's been in our culture for so long and in Western culture that it's, you know, the government approved diet. And that's what everybody knows. Has forgotten, you know, all the old wisdom of how we how we evolved to eat. Yeah. So so now he, this guy sounds like he's fucking crazy. Yeah, and the the at least what I was taught the purpose of science is to figure out what's repeatable under certain conditions and consistently repeatable. So if you have someone that's doing something that's completely outside of that and it it bra- it basically breaks the rule, mm-hmm. that's when people, they just fall back to the dogmatic way of thinking. And it's a hard thing to actually explain to people in a way to where they can overcome that. Like, uh, basically, uh, <laughs> and this, this, this got me thinking because yesterday I was disagreeing with a buddy um he's a socialist and i'm a libertarian so we're pretty much polar opposites when it comes to the political thing and another one of our uh, friends showed him a video of uh bernie sanders praising communism so he he gets upset when i call a socialist communist or whatever and i'm like well it's you know i've heard it described as the road to to communism because basically everybody's got put in their own little area they're doing this or that and the goal of the society at that point is to I guess to be uh, to prioritize society which that kind of doesn't really make sense <laughs> it seems mm. like it's kind of circular reasoning mm. but you know we gotta sacrifice everybody in society for the better of society it's like what <laughs> but once he saw that, he just basically, he freaked out. And I had read a, a quote from someone that said that Nietzsche apparently said the same thing, that socialists get just as, as, uh, as passionate as some religious person as a Christian. So I've kind of brought that up to him. Like I'll kind of joke with him and say that statism in its way has a lot of similarities to religion. And it's it's not really something that he can comprehend because part of his ego, like the way he sees himself, is that he's this logical person and everyone that's just religious in some way is not on his level, that they're mm. not that. So mm-hmm. when you kind of introduce information in a way that shows that you're susceptible to that same pitfall as the rest of the people in the world it's triggering (laughs) so yeah yeah no one's above their own humanity and it's like you get different tools for different outcomes and it's like you can't you can't discount your human nature 
you know, and it's it's like to me like socialism and those those types of systems. It's like they're they're striving to achieve a perfect society, but that's counterproductive for human development. Yeah, it's the like you have to of fail. Life becomes awful. <laughs> yeah, because no nobody's every everything's done for you. Everything's perfect. If ever, if everything were perfect and set and done, nobody would learn anything. Yeah, and everyone would be m- making mistakes left and right, and because of this upholding of the wanting to, desire to uphold a perfect society, they would be in the wrong, and they would be severely punished for it. <laughs> like because that. it 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 would be it would just be too too much imperfection, even the slight even the slightest little thing. You can't step a toe out of line over it. And it's that rigorous when it becomes that rigorous and everyone just goes with it and everybody and nobody questions it. That's that's when it's dangerous. Yeah, because but that's what it's going to ultimately evolve into. The longer it goes, the people that start questioning it, they basically get a bullet to the brain. Like, you know, that Project Veritas video that came out that this field organizer for the Sanders campaign wanted to, you know, basically kill Republicans that couldn't be re-educated. So Mm -hmm. if that doesn't sound like some old school, basically, if you say the socialism doesn't work, that's like the new form of blasphemy to them. Yeah. In order for it to, for society to be able to pull that off, it has to be a totalitarian government implementing it. And that's, that's very hurtful for individuals. See, even in the, like, even as, you know, we're a young species, so we've only been on this rock for so long, and we're still learning a lot, like, even faster than our little human brains can really can even catch all the information flying through right now. Mm-hmm. So when science was first getting on its feet, um, basically if someone spoke out against something, they were killed too, like... Um, it was considered blasphemy to say that the sun is the center of our solar system and not the earth. <laughs> so and, and it comes out in the, like the other extreme of that too, is the people that can be highly disagreeable to everything in society and to evidence too. So they just become so distrustful that, you know, they could go back to old information like, Oh, you know, the, the world is flat. So, mm-hmm. All the flat earthers. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it's, it's a hard thing to really deal with in people. And I know at least for me, when I meet new people, that's kind of one of the things I try to figure out about them is how open-minded are they? And are they capable of being open-minded without letting the brains leak out, basically? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, finding that middle way. And it's, it's a hard thing to do because everybody slips in some form or another. Like science does it. Um, you know, religion does it, politics does it all the time. Like, there was kind of a, a pun in what you said that made the libertarian in me chuckle. He said, mm. uh, there'd be mistakes left and right. <laughs> yeah, everybody would, I mean, so, in everyone else's view in, in a perfect society, it's like, you wear the wrong color, you're you're so dead. That's, that's kind of <laughs> like one of those things, because, you know, I, I consider myself a minarchist, because I would think that if you had a society without a military, you might be easier it may be easier for another force to overwhelm you when like another status society 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, it could be wrong, too, because, you know, America lost Vietnam and Afghanistan. And there's parts of the world that have just never been conquered because of the geography and the people in that area having their own guns. So people <laughs> people still defend themselves. It's just not a collectivist thing. Like, they're not they're not going out and being conscripted or drafted or joining up in the military, but they're doing it on a more personal level. So, yeah. And statism, it, it has that effect too. Like there's times where, you know, the government will try to take someone's land or something like that because of the laws and people that, you know, it, it kind of says that we have like a co- an overly complicated system where everybody needs a lawyer just to make sure that they're that they're safe from the state. Just <laughs> to function, basically. Just to function. So that's, <sighs> that's kind of a weird thing that's kind of been created as almost like a like a uh, a buffer to the legal system being too too burdensome. So yeah. The more rules you get, the more restrictive life gets, really. It's kind of like the homeowners association effect. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you have these nice, clean, you know, neighborhoods and they're gated and they're safe and all this, but you can't even mow your own lawn. You know, you're not free to make whatever, whatever changes you want to your house without it being approved first. Like you have to jump through all these hoops to get to just to do just the minimal stuff. You can't work on your own car and, and out in front of your house. You know, you can barely do it in your garage. It's like it's super restrictive with all all to attain this image of perfection. Yeah. And so in order, it's just not a sustainable way of life. It's not I mean, for just... some people, I guess it is that you have to make a certain amount of income. And who's going to I mean, not not everybody has that. People need to have the the flexibility in their lives to be able to to do what they can with what they've got. Yeah, and that was another thing, too, that you touched on that that's another problem with the government is that once it's under the domain of the government, it doesn't have to be functioning well because it can't be competed with. Like, everything in the government is structured through violence. So a lot of people, they have trouble understanding that. Like, if it's the first time running into a libertarian and you say that to them, they can't really understand it. They're like, if you have like a bag of, uh, like, let's say you have a plant on you. <laughs> <laughs> certain kind of plant. Yeah, just a certain kind of plant. And that's kind of the crazy thing is that there's a lot of plants that are just legal. So if you have something that grows in your backyard, let's say you're in the right conditions and someone just throws a seed over there and there's a little bit of growing or whatever. But anyway, let's say you have a, uh, getting back to the real example. Let's say you have a some type of plan in your pocket. Basically, if you say that the state will treat that with violence, people are confused. They're like, no, no, no. They'll just give you a they'll just give you a a fine. It's like, okay, so they'll treat it with theft. And I'm like, okay, so what happens if someone just says, oh, no, 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 that's okay. I don't want to pay that fine. <laughs> hmm. It's not optional. Pe- yeah, people are going to come to your to your door and say okay well you need to come with us I was like no nah, I'm, I'm good <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's just like it's making it's making problems where there shouldn't it shouldn't even be an issue 
It is. And that's why I really like the morality that libertarianism has behind it. So there's a couple things that get kind of hard to figure out. And there's always this argument that, you know, you can stump a libertarian by saying, well, where would the roads come from? Because... (laughs) Like, my socialist buddy, he'll say, well, taxation isn't theft, it's just rent if you're going to live here. And I said something like, you know, as a monarchist, I wouldn't have a problem with the government just having military courts, like, kind of like a night watchman state. So, if you just have the government there to deal with police, courts, and maybe infrastructure and military, so roads, uh, maybe... um, Maybe the internet, but I, even then I'm cautious about that because I mm. think a freer solution will be better. Like, it's it's weird because a lot of leftists hate corporations, but all the <laughs> all the corporations are left-leaning, like, especially in the IT world, so. Mm. But those are probably yeah. the, the few things I would have the the uh, government maybe do is just the, the hardware for it, like all the cables and stuff like that like there's like the infrastructure <laughs> the infrastructure basically so mm-hmm. but weren't the uh, weren't the first like real roads created uh funded and and needed by farmers because they needed to get their their crops out to markets and to out to the people so they were privately funded by the farmers so that they could make a profit Exactly. There was there was no government hand in that. Yes. Yeah, so people will figure out the roads and, and not just not just farmers, but I think military as well because they needed to move infantry. Yeah, like that's where the highway program came from is because I think Germany started building ro- roads that the military could navigate the city easier through. The and, Audubon. <laughs> and uh, the United States saw that as a good idea, and then we got the highway program. So. That's kind of a compacted version of it, but that's essentially what happened there. So me and him went back and forth on the road thing, and nowadays (laughs) Domino's is going around seeing potholes, and they're like, this is advertising space. So (laughs) they'll fill in a pothole and put their logo on it. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) You imagine just driving on commercials? (laughs) (laughs) That's random. (laughs) So. But, uh, yeah, I think about that every time I'm, like, going down a tollway, down a toll road and stuff. It's, like, that's privately funded. I mean, pu- it's publicly funded, but it's a private company. It's not government funded. And you, you're driving down it. It's smooth. It's new. It's maintained. Any accidents that happen, they're on it. The, you know, the, the tollway authority or whatever. And people love it, and they pay for it. It's worth it. If people find value in something, they're going to put their money where their mouth is. They're going to fund it. But... I don't think, you know, the government doesn't do anything efficiently. People have more flexibility when they have their own, when they use their own dollars and to vote for what they want. Yeah. And at least uh, to finish up that story with my buddy, uh, when we got to the whole thing about the roads, he's like, well, do you consider violence if someone's speeding and they get taken out of their car and refuse to pay the fee or whatever and they get killed or taken to jail? And I said, well, I would see it as more of a property right issues and yeah, I was, well, I didn't say it, but I was thinking you can make that argument from a property right point of view that, you know, the government owns the road so we can choose it. But the next thing is, well, the government owns the land so they can choose the laws. And at that point, I'm like, well, 
it would probably be safer than just to not have the state altogether then if the next step <laughs> is immediately in the wrong direction so yeah i w- if we did have a if we do have a state i think it should just exist to protect our negative rights so not provide entitlements mm. not positive rights but mm. so yeah ideology and things like that um same thing when it comes to religion like if you show somebody something they will interpret the world through whatever lens they have like uh even science like uh when i was in mm. public school i had teachers all the time that thought it was a fun fact that snakes have hip bones and it's like well yeah that's because they used to walk it's in the bible mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so oh god <laughs> But what well my what I wonder is why why is it that people are becoming so dogmatic about all these different aspects? What's what is it that's missing that they're that they're replacing with that, what hole are they filling with it? Because I mean, in order for them to become that passionate about it and that narrow minded about it there's got to be something deeper there that that's missing that they're using that to fill. Yeah. Um, and I think Jordan Peterson argued that too, that ideologies are, he said that they're like crippled religions. Mm. So yeah, it's replacing religion in a way. It does. So there's that trade off of how factual or how, I guess, spiritually fulfilled you need to, feel but i i think it also comes down to the fact that this is the information age so Mm. technology has also made it harder for people to really rally around the same cultural talking points because you know i back when i worked in surveillance for this jewelry corporation me and a co-worker we got into a discussion and we were both definitely across the aisle. And at the end of it, she says something like, well, you've given me things to think about, but you haven't changed my mind on anything. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, <laughs> I know. But I even said to her, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I didn't expect to. I mean, at the end of the night, we were still probably both going to go back to our echo chambers. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, not having that same ideology for everybody to rally around while so many different ways of looking at the world and so much information is just whizzing by. It's it's um, it's harder for people to connect, I think. And I think that's why it's also harder to speak to people nowadays about anything genuine. Because you don't mm. know who's who you're gonna offend. Yeah, everybody's just like in different places in their head and in different lanes and goals, or if, if any. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people are lost as it is, and it just seems like the more the more things you introduce into our, I guess, knowledge bank or availability, the more confusing it gets. So people are just trying to like reestablish what how to live their lives and what's good and what's right and 
what's wrong, which I can understand why people would get dogmatic about, you know, science or just whatever formula, whatever flavor they like. <laughs> yeah, whatever they're about, me. what type of, whatever flavor yeah. ideologue they are. Yeah. And that's one cool thing I, I noticed in Buddhism is that they try to talk about that at the later phases of it. Mm. Like, uh, they talk about it, you know, and it's kind of ironic because Buddha's like, don't turn this into a religion. Don't get religious about this. And then Ooh. once he's dead, people are like, we must worship him. <laughs> That's funny. It's so, funny that they're, that the more that you say, don't, don't do this. It's like people are more drawn to it. It, it kind of like, it's tiptoeing around the subconscious because it's like telling a, it's like wrestling with a, with a, with a toddler. Like the more you, the more you fight him, the more he's going to fight you back. So once you let off, it's like, you got to kind of outsmart him and kind of get him, kind of manipulate him <laughs> to, to get, to get him to do what you want. But it's that, that, that ego that's, that's fighting you. Yeah. So like, that's funny. Did you ever hear about the secret when it was popular? I think that was like in 2007, yeah, 2008. Yeah, I heard about it, but I didn't really get into it too much. Like, isn't it like the law of attraction or some shit? I was vaping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in the middle of an exhale. Um, yeah, the law of attraction. So mm -hmm. for anyone listening that's never heard of it, it was this book that was released. And I'm going to give it a summary that if you think about something, you attract it to you. Hmm. But a rule in the book that they bring up is that the universe doesn't hear negation. So if you're thinking, uh, I don't know, like, man, I hope uh, I don't get pulled over today. I hope I don't get pulled over today. <laughs> you're actually <laughs> attracting that. You're attracting pulled <laughs> yeah. over today. <laughs> it's like you're so, putting energy and mental energy into that. So it's whatever you're. That's what you're going to draw in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting because after learning about the negativity principle from Alan Watts when he spoke about Taoism, mm. it's almost like <laughs> reverse psychology with the universe because mm -hmm. basically the suffering leads to like suffering today leads to tomorrow's pleasure, and mm. that's a that's a good way to summarize the negativity principle. So every time you sell a bit of yourself with like a weaker choice, you're from, from a Buddhist point of view, you're strengthening those habits. So that's bad karma. Mm. But realistic and from a scientific point of view, you're creating that neural pathway, mm -hmm. which is strengthening the wiring of your mind. And you're also, I guess, in a temporal sense. You're also just putting off the consequences to a later date. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of the fascinating thing about ideology. And that's why I like to go into evolutionary psychology so much to to figure out the human animal, basically. Because we, if we didn't have language to to divide us this way, and, you know, there's, there's another truth there in the... You, ever heard of the tower of babel mm, yeah vaguely <laughs> so for the the non-christians there's a story in the bible where these people wanted to build a tower to get to god and 
they got very high and God basically said, well, everyone starts speaking di- different languages now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so <laughs> they couldn't complete it. And sometimes I think that there's a lot of truth in that sentence because I think oh. if you try to get too close to the truth with words, that's when all the misinterpretation arises and you can only kind of border the truth and how you speak for people to be able to take the most from it. So. Yeah. It's like the closer you, the more you try to decipher what I guess God is, the more it's going to elude you because for whatever reason we get caught up in the details and in this and that and the other. Well, and it's like back in the day, back in the day, they used to not even say the word God. Yeah. It was it was more of a sound. It was, I think it was Yahweh. Yeah, and it was it was barely like a whisper. I'm pro- I might be wrong here, but I think they called like the Jews used to abbreviate it like Y H W H, and they mm-hmm. called it the I think the Tetronomicon. I could be wrong though; it's been a while. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I think that's where that comes from because Hebrew, at least when I was taking a religious course about it. Uh, Hebrew, the original languages were just so foreign to us. There's like dashes and stuff, and it's hard to to figure out what they were trying to say. Like they also said that the part of God that's in us mm-hmm. is capable of conjuring things through words. Mm-hmm. So, and that's another reason why you're uh, some religious people say you're not supposed to say demons' names, and it's mm. especially interesting because a lot of like uh, I've said it before on the on this uh, podcast that I like angelology and used to read about religion. So you learn about angels too, that had fallen and a lot of pop culture uses angel names like in Marvel, like um, Nightcrawler's dad is actually named after a demon from Mm X-Men. So you see that a lot, like all these popular shows, they use angel and demon names, but even then, that's just another filter for the truth is time and language because over time, language changes. So yeah, if we went to speak English to someone in England, like, you know, back in the Shakespearean times, <laughs> they would think, <laughs> oh man, there's, there's something wrong with this fellow. <laughs> oh, so. But yeah, it's that like law of attraction that, you know, they didn't, they were, they held it to that so sacred they they wouldn't even call it into they wouldn't even write it down they wouldn't say it didn't want, you know spook it away or bring it yeah i i got a little into the law of attraction uh when i was younger and it's actually kind of an interesting story i, I tried it out a couple times and mm-hmm. the first time did I, it work um <laughs> uh, yeah and it's just a really interesting way that, um there was this girl i knew online that lived about four and a half hours away so i kept trying to manifest us finding some way to see each other because i had known her for i think a couple years or so and i was a teenager um about 18 or so i think 19 actually so after we met in real life i think the day um she was leaving to go back home we were talking about something and uh she's like you know you should read this book called the secret <laughs> <And> <laughs> i'm like yeah i have and uh 
yeah and i asked her like have you ever messed with the law of attraction and she's like yeah i, I did I, I used it uh to come here so <laughs> kind of a wholesome story that both of us the first time we were trying to experiment with it we actually got to meet each other so wow so, um another girl i'd spoken to her about it and i was really trying to test it <laughs> so what i did was i basically kept saying that I wanted to see a white squirrel, like an albino squirrel. <laughs> Everything comes in a circle. Oh, we were talking about albinos earlier. Only <laughs> albinos again. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to the see magic a, squirrel. I wanted to see a white squirrel. So I'm like, yeah, this is going to be really hard. Uh, so the girl I had been kind of talking to about that old thing, she she was only in the state for school. Um, and she went back to her home state and we had stopped talking. And the crazy thing is like two or three months later, she was just out and about and she happened to see a white school run by. And even though we weren't talking, it was just such a strong, <laughs> like what the fuck moment she had to text it to me. So, you know, we had kind of like, I guess broken up in a sense, but it was so tied to me that she still had to send it to me even though we had stopped we had broken up so that's so funny y'all found the magic squirrel (laughs) (laughs) that's strange yeah I've had in retrospect I've had instances like that that I wasn't I wasn't necessarily calling it into existence or anything but it's like thinking back on like my childhood I'd be walking down like a, I don't know, it's like a little flea market or something. And I look over and there's, there's some vendor with like all these little trinkets and stuff and like decoratives and, you know, just little things. And it was the Buddha. And I didn't know anything about Buddhism or anything like that. And I was like, oh, I'd like that. And I like, I bought it because I had some like change or whatever. And I don't know. I just, I just liked it. I just, I didn't, I, I had no clue what it was. But it was just like this happy little fat Buddha. And I kept it for a long time. And uh, I don't know what happened to it. But here we are now, like getting deep into like Buddhism and stuff. And I just, it never even entered my mind after that, after I lost it. It's just weird. But um, there was this other time that for some reason I had a flag and I didn't know where it was from. But once we got here, it turned out that it was the Texas flag. It was like, I had it for a long time. I just had it. And I didn't know where it was from. But then we end up moving to Texas. So it's like, in retrospect, there's like these signs that ha- that I, I recall that, and, and I don't know if it's just my mind trying to I don't know if it's just my mind seeing the patterns in retrospect, but it's like all these things are like self-fulfilling prophecies that have just turned out. So it's kind of (laughs) creepy, but I've never, I've never actually like played with law of attraction or tried too hard. I guess in a sense, I'm I'm lucky that way that things just kind of panned out smoothly. I've been very, I've been pretty lucky. I've not had like a super hard life or anything like that for me to, you know, get get that deep into like prayer or wishing for things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's most people like, well, nowadays anyway, we have life so good compared to what our ancestors had to go through. Yeah. So. Yeah. But still people, a lot of people just feel lost, you know, spiritually. And I think it's because, because uh, of the family unit is breaking down or broken down. I mean, depending on how your family bonds are, it's like that was the primary means of how we got our knowledge and our wisdom and it was passed down, you know, from the grandparents. And they're all now, they're in nursing homes now. We don't, you know, a lot of them are. <laughs> and it depends on your culture too, because like, I know Mexican cultures, they've just taken the grandparents. So they can't, they're like, no way, I'm not going to put my grandma in the home or whatever. But yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's more common in like, I think a lot of black people can't afford nursing homes either. So, yeah, there's the affordability <laughs> thing too. It's like I can't afford that. It's like, uh, yeah, she could she could stay in the Kukui room. <laughs> <laughs> but still, like the whole the bond is like breaking down because the kids go to public school, you know, so early on. It's like there's that break, and it just never. It's not the same. You know, we still want that higher imperative that's bigger than ourselves. And we're just using the biggest thing that we know of culturally, which is usually, you know, politics or science or whatever. Yeah. And And we're trying to fill that void, but it's a square peg. It's not adequate as far as what we're really seeking, you know, because nothing we have is material. I mean, nothing we have that is material is eternal. So people are still too focused on looking outside of themselves for those answers when they should be looking within yeah, definitely. You know, and Buddhism will take it a little further and say that nothing is eternal. Everything's yep. just always in flux. So so it's like how to make the best of the time that we have. It's like it's not going to be acquiring resources or money or houses or cars. It's like all this shit's going to go away when you die. Or if you wreck or, you know, everything everything you have you can lose. Yeah. So what's left? Yeah, like even those... politics, even science can just be wiped out. Yeah. You know, if we have one of those massive coronavirus outbreaks, pandemics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the people that are uh, smart as fucker in the labs, <laughs> they're going to go first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to lose all our smart people and then we're fucked. <laughs> so back in the back into the dark ages. Pretty much. I think, you know, that's what I I think I heard Joe Rogan talking about it in one of the podcast, one of his podcasts with some smart guy <laughs> saying that they we don't give enough credit to the ancient civilizations as far as technology and what they knew and how they could do they do things. And that just by whatever reason, they got wiped out and we had to start over and we've probably started over more times than we realize in getting I, to this point. I actually saw a woke meme that made me laugh. It's uh, it's a little presumptuous, but it was actually kind of funny. Like they were showing uh, some ancient structures or something like that, and <laughs> the caption on it was uh, "Just because white people didn't do it doesn't mean it was aliens." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they may not have, they might have had the internet back then. You never know. Some form of some other form of internet. Yeah, you ever hear of the Akashic Records? Mm-mm. So, if you're into the the 
what do you call it, like new agey stuff. Mm -hmm. That's something that basically there's this way to access all the information in the universe. And people do these rituals or whatever to access just this pool of knowledge that we're capable of pulling from. So, you know, and um, there's a lot of ways you could figure out what the bead of truth is in that. Because, I mean, to mm-hmm. a degree, our, our genes hold knowledge for us that we can pull from if we can sort out the feelings and figure out why we get these sensations in our bodies. Mm. I've but, heard, uh, I think Jordan Peterson talk about that uh, religiosity is kind of genetically, pre- it's a pre- genetic predisposition for some people to have, to be more like into religion or to find some, something as, you know, versus others. It, there's a, there's some genetic link. Yeah, it's, uh, genes are very interesting. Like, I did the 23andMe thing, mm-hmm. and when you go through it, they tell you all these little things. Some of them aren't right, but they say you may be prone to liking one flavor of ice cream over another. So, mm-hmm. just little <laughs> things like that they can figure out from your genes. So, mm-hmm. I'm sure that when it comes to thinking like that, it's very possible that you you know you're definitely your ways of thinking and things like that get inherited so yeah i mean well sometimes i'm like doing stuff and i'm i'm like oh god i'm i'm like my mother i'm my mother <laughs> or i'm i'm doing things that my dad does like little twitches or just like little you know little expressions and stuff like that and it's yeah. like nature or nurture <laughs> i don't think it's nurture <laughs> i thought i think i'm pretty sure this is genetic it's like little quirks i don't know <laughs> But yeah, jeans are weird. Yeah. Jeans are uh, something else. So there's actually a book called the, I think it's the God Gene. So mm. yeah, maybe there is something. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to why it evolved. Like, why do we need a concept of God? But it, it makes sense because even in a negative way to have this idea that there's someone watching. Like God was kind of like you know, going back to ideology, ideology was useful in the sense that it did provide structure for people. Like Mm. we didn't have the, you know, the NSA listening to us all the time back then. So it was God (laughs) listening. And, um, our phones weren't picking up everything and Facebook and all that. It was God. So there was a way to have like a, a thought, personal accountability, a thought police put into someone's psyche. So, mm. and, you know, different cultures figured out different ways to deal with that. Well, when I say cultures, I say different religions. Because, you know, I know Christians and stuff, when they have certain thoughts, they start getting like, oh, no, why am I thinking this? And you mm-hmm. know, something like the Eastern religion comes along. They're like, well, your thoughts aren't you. They're just clouds that pass by. So <laughs> if you start thinking about something, don't feel guilty about it. Just let it go. So it's not you. But with ideology, well, isn't that Go on. isn't that like the the um, spectator effect? It's like if you think even molecules will do different things if they're being watched. Like if you're like looking through a microscope and you're like electrons and shit. There's like something. There's something in science that proves it. The observer that effect. The observer that effect. Something's being observed. It behaves yeah. differently. I've heard that, that was so, because like the photons interact with it so but i, I don't know i'm not a <laughs> science is not my uh, my, uh 
I yeah, mean, it's in there. <laughs> this, is, this is bro science at the best, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh, bro yeah. And pop science. But if people think that they're automatically think that there's somebody watching, be it God or be it the NSA, they're going to do. They're, they're going to do. Yeah, they're going to behave in that else. way. So <laughs> there's. In the expected way. That was the that was the key part is that in that experiment they were shooting the the electrons or whatever so and it wasn't it wasn't doing it but then once there was an observer the electron behaved the way that the the observer expected yeah so so something when it comes to uh ideology one of the benefits is that it does act as like a culture police and it can get everybody on the same page same values and Mm -hmm. nowadays since we don't have that everybody's just trying to fill it with different stuff and i heard that that's more so along the lines of what nietzsche meant when he said that god is dead wasn't supposed to be like a, a triumphant statement for the atheist or whatever like, oh, we mm. finally got rid of the biggest source of delusion in humanity. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, no, that's now it's just going to manifest in different ways. Right. And, you know, it's it's going to pop up in all these different forms. So now that we don't have that, we have to figure out what gives life meaning for everybody. And that's why a lot of people don't like Buddhism is because they get these caricatures in mind. They think that, like, let's say you have a family or something like that, that you're just going <laughs> to meditate and, you know, let someone come in and kill your wife and kids. And that's not mm. the case, you know. So They're not pacifists. Yeah, they're not pacifists. Same thing they're with, peaceful, but they're not pacifists. Yeah, same thing with libertarians. Like, uh, I had a supervisor. Like, I would spoken to him about my uh, worldview to some extent, and. He's like, oh, you're a pacifist. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) You've completely missed what I've said. (laughs) But, you know, Tower of Bible, you can only get so close to the truth before (laughs) somebody just goes off into the the wrong direction with it. Mm. Can't get too close to the answers. Yeah, I think uh, there's actually, like, structural brain differences between liberals and conservatives there's something there's something in the brain in like the amygdala that that perceives like the amygdala is like where you perceive fear and like all your emotions right it's emotional it's the your emotional center of your brain mm-hmm. and um so conservatives amygdalas tend to be less active less reactive to stress whereas liberals they tend to or i think it's the other way around i think liberals don't perceive uh, danger and like threats and stuff like that um so they're more optimistic and they're more like uh how do you say selected just rabbits running around hoping there's no wolves (laughs) i don't know not, not necessarily that but like in social situations so they're more optimistic and they, I, I guess that's where the, they have, that's why they have all these like expectations and for everyone to just get along, you know, why can't everybody just be nice? And, I, and since they don't, they, they aren't, they're not as predisposed to like confront uh, a challenge. 
um, they're they're going to want to build that into a social structure type situation to take care of it for them. Whereas uh, somebody who's right-leaning, they're going to handle it themselves. They're going to own a gun. They're going to shoot the guy if he's, you know, coming at him aggressively. So then that's another way ideology can kind of fracture is because when you start thinking about these things, it's it's a different, it's basically gene wars. So that's another <laughs> way you can break up the yep. left and the right. So. Yeah. So there's, you're literally, if you're, when, when you're talking to someone who is liberal, just keep that in mind that they have a brain <laughs> disorder. <laughs> they can't, they can't help. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I hate that it kind of devolves into that, but that's it's it's that's been how, that's how the that's how the tone is nowadays. Everyone is so divided, but um, I, I've heard I, I think I read like on Psychology Today a while back something slim, similar to what you're describing, mm-hmm. and they basically tried to say that conservative brains were bigger on fear, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like I think that's kind of a misinterpretation of the information. I think that conservative brains are probably more prone to take one bit of information and see the potential outcomes from that one data point. Mm. So because of that, you can see that, oh, okay, this could be a problem here. This could be a problem here. So you're thinking deeper about things, whereas... It's going to make it's going to basically mean you're going to think, hey, you know, maybe we should have a wall or something. If there's all these barbarians that are potentially outside of the city because we have something good, maybe somebody wants to take it or maybe we should have some means to defend it. And for a liberal, they'll just say, man, that's insecure. <laughs> so yeah. it's you well, can't yeah, really do anything to say, you know, just leave, please. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> but. Well, if you think about it, when with the amygdala function, it's like animals' amygdalas are are bigger than ours. So, from an evolutionary perspective, it's possible that conservatives are less evolved. And this is this has been said, you know, kind of condescendingly towards conservatives by liberals that they're you know they're unevolved and they're they're regressive. But if we evolve to a point that our amygdala is shrink enough to where we can't sense danger when we should be taking action, then that's kind of that that's hurtful to the species yeah, for survival. You've heard of a, a too death, civilized. It's almost like a genetic death spiral. You ever heard of a death spiral? Ants like to follow the pheromone of the ants in front of them. Mm-hmm. So if one ant gets lost, he may start just going in like a circle and the ants behind them. They don't know any better. So yeah. you'll see these large-ass pools of ants just <laughs> in this maelstrom that's just going to end in them all dying <laughs> because they're just yeah. going in circles forever. So, and The blind leading the blind. Well, their lack of uninstinctive people And I'm sure from, like a, from a higher being's point of view, we're, we're the same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> if there is a god or anything like that watching, it's like, man... And that just happens sometimes. Some gene pools just end that way. You know, some may end with, uh, there's no good men out there, so I'm going to get 30 cats and, <laughs> and uh, work to death. Or there's no good women out there, so I'm just going to play video games till I croak. So, <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's just genes and conditions. But 
that's that's uh, that's the reality we live in. So, hmm. yeah. If but, you if you look at the the primary example, the the front runner right now is like the most left leaning person in like the public eye, Greta Thunberg. It's like if you put that girl out in the wilderness, what's going to happen? Put anybody out in the wilderness nowadays. <laughs> Like, well, I mean, you still have people who are inclined to be woodsy and stuff. And, I mean, and like, the right definitely has people that are more capable. But, you know, I'm a libertarian myself. But, hey, if <laughs> if the boogaloo broke out and there was a civil war between the right and the left, I would... Yeah, but I'm talking about, like, genetics. Like, we've evolved to a point that, I mean, yeah, I guess we wouldn't, we wouldn't stand a chance compared to, like, a caveman or whatever. But it's, I think it's it's hurt the species, for sure. For us to become too civilized, because well, if I mean we're we're too dependent now it's, on it's on because our we're not mindful anymore. Comforts, yeah, it's because we're not mindful. Like we literally approach every situation with no no uh, no regard for how we could get hurt. Yeah, because Who's safe? <laughs> we've just padded all this stuff around us, so people can kind of just bumble around. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, if you think about the process of driving. It would be goddamn terrifying to a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> but for us, we're just, we're just like, I got to do the laundry. I got to catch the flight. I, I fucking a plane. Imagine that, you know. Oh, my God. It would be every, most of our experience would just be a constant roller coaster if you thawed out some caveman and brought him to our world now. So. Encino man. Yeah. So, but yeah, most people aren't equipped to survive me, me included, you know, if, if mm-hmm. civilization fell apart, uh, <laughs> you know, I got, I, most people probably don't even know how to get clean water. I, that's the first thing I've been trying to look into is like, if I was dropped in the woods, what would I have to do to get clean water? Yeah. So. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, uh, well, time to meditate until my next life comes along. <laughs> just fast. That's all you need. Just uh, stock up, and then you can just fast. That's another thing that got misinterpreted, too, about Buddhists. Like, all these little fat Buddhists. Like, uh, I think yeah, before Buddha started his meditation that led to enlightenment, mm-hmm. he was seeking out asceticism, which um, asceticism is basically denying yourself of pleasure for the goal of enlightenment or uh, mm-hmm. gaining some type of uh, higher perspective on the world. So what he did was he was going to fast until he was enlightened and that didn't work. He did, he, I think did all these other painful things like with the fasting thing, he was about to die and some girl came along and gave him some rice milk. Oh wow! So he realized that that wasn't leading to happiness either. So that's yeah, he, he went through a, process man he went through <laughs> yeah you know but didn't he have and it's interesting too because you were talking about um us being weaker now and less mindful from the way the world is now that's actually a buddhist quote because before buddha left his his palace and his family and stuff to seek enlightenment you know he mm-hmm. had he was a king well he was a prince he was a prince he had harems he had a lot of stuff that would make a lot of people pretty happy. Mm. And um, he ended up saying that he had been wounded by the pleasures of the world. So. <laughs> Didn't he have a family? Yeah. Buddha had a family. And then, but he would like go off and be by himself for years and years. 
And yeah. then he came back and like his kids were grown and stuff. Oh no, he he ordained his son. Uh, it's kind of funny because uh, he ended up naming his son. Uh, I, I don't remember the poly word. It started with well, it's pronounced with an R. It's like Raul or something like that. But it translates mm-hmm. to fetter, which means chained. Because oh. after his son was born, he's like, well, another chain to this world has come. Which, you know, uh, it's, it's hard for people to hear Buddhism because <laughs> they think it's, like, all pessimistic. But uh-huh. if the goal is to get out of rebirth and stuff, attaching in a, attachment, having a kid is counterproductive for that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said a second ago, if I had kids and someone came in, I would, you know, I would basically probably do what I had to do to defend my family and myself. Mm-hmm. So that's more attachments, and I'm going to have to feel emotions that can lead to unskilled decisions and stuff like that. But but isn't the Buddhist way to like find harmony in, in everything? There's They have this thing called the Vinayana, which is the monastic code. And even monks can defend themselves to a certain degree if someone's assaulting them, so... Yeah, but I mean, like, as far as attach, attach chains to the world and, and having a family and all that and attaining enlightenment, it's like, you gotta pick your path. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And part of it, too, is that's why it's not really a focus on right and wrong, because it's like what experience is going to come back to you. But, you know, ideology is kind of a double-edged sword, and I wonder how many people are actually ever capable of wondering how their ideology may be damaging them. Because mm-hmm. Buddhists get the criticism that they're not doing anything. They're just sitting around wishing and meditating. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I don't know if I'd rather be someone who had, like, Donald Trump money, but, <laughs> <laughs> but let's say, uh, having the weight of the world on their shoulders or somebody mm-hmm. that's pretty happy with everything. Because at the end of the day, it's about how you feel. Like, everything else is just a story that the mind's going to play. So, yeah, it's all about the mindset. Yeah. And huh. I guess for me, since I, I try to kind of not hold on to ideology too too fiercely, like even though, you know, I'm pro-Trump and libertarian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I still make fun of like some of the absurd things that pop up on the right. So, <laughs> Yeah, I noticed when I was getting too, like my, my, I guess I dialed it back a lot because at first I was... N- like, even just seeing memes of him would piss me off. Like, I would get mad. Kind of like how the left sees, you know, that there's, like, no no humor. They're not able to take a joke and, and like, you know what I mean? Like, once you notice that you start, you're getting too angry over stupid yeah, little things like that, that's when seriously. you know, you yeah, you need to, like, chill. Maybe you're taking it too seriously. Yeah. And I did. It's... I was like, I was, I was just miserable all the time, and it wasn't just in that. <laughs> I just noticed that it was just uh, bleeding into everything else. So, and then once I dialed it back, and not necessarily because of you know just not being able to handle a meme or whatever, um, there was other things that triggered it. Then I noticed that I was able to like find the humor in things more easily, including the memes. But yeah. that's just like reflecting back on that. Like, oh yeah, I couldn't take a joke before, but now I'm I'm okay. So I've kind of kind of regressed a little bit. Just kind of found the middle ground. Yeah, and that's good. Because uh, I mean, if things do get bad enough, then just have to deal with it as that time comes. 
because when it comes to politics and the way ideology is dividing the country because i think even like i remember hearing it online in certain circles about talks if we end up having a civil war or something like that and i saw like a interesting breakdown of how that would go like ultimately the most people that identify as leftists aren't going to be all that equipped to survive out there there's like a few kind of centrist types and stuff but Mm. the average liberal in the city and you know me included too like somebody who lives uh not out in rural areas yeah the power goes off it's like okay uh i know a little bit what do i do with myself fire and (laughs) gotta figure out how do i start a fire i know i know basic uh stuff like that how to start a fire and maybe how to get water from a tree but I'd like to learn more just in case. But, and again, that's something that the left would have to just see is, oh, well, you're just being paranoid. What, whatever could go wrong. Mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's delusional thinking. But overthinking has the same thing too. And again, this is why I say like going in extremes either way is problematic because if you think that everything's a threat around the corner, uh, you're going to think yourself into a heart attack. Yeah. And if you don't think at all, you're going to just wander out into traffic. So, yeah. So with, (laughs) with, I don't know, with Buddhism too, I kind of wrestle with uh, not being all that interested in much. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's progress or if that's detrimental to me. So sometimes I just, I wrestle with my own apathy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're prone, I mean, do what, what is it? Uh, practice with your left hand you know whatever it is that you're weak at get better at it just to balance that out you know maybe go by your whatever brings you joy you know do you experience joy on a day-to-day basis if if you don't then maybe try to seek that out a little bit more i guess for me that's the thing it's kind of like being attached not being attached to stuff kind of brings me a lot of peace so I, yeah. that's why it's hard to say is it me just withdrawing or is it me just kind of letting go I guess that's where I'm kind of trying to figure out my own my own self growth through there within uh, stoicism they there's a I've sent you the video before but I, we can link it below as well because I think it's really helpful for everyone the um, philosophy of the loner and that there it, it touches on the dangers of staying away from like society and being disconnected for too long because yeah. you can you can get too comfortable in that in the peace but you have to eventually come back and and learn to be at peace within Actually, the group makes, makes within me think society. of uh, it's ironic cuz it's one of my favorite characters in the walking dead who wrestles with that yeah. um he lost people and now he just doesn't want to be around people yeah so, the pain uh, yeah <laughs> So he's, people are painful, man. People are pain in the ass. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you're opening up the book to a different drama every time you let someone know in your life. So yeah, but yeah. the world's a stage and it's a place. So as long as you can enjoy it, that's probably the the happy little attitude to cultivate to not take it all too seriously. Yeah. But, okay, it looks like we're kind of going over here. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and close up this episode. So everybody that listened, we thank you. Um, if you've enjoyed your time with us and would like to support the podcast, give us a like, give us a subscribe. Leave your thoughts below on our YouTube bit shoot or Facebook page. And we will speak to you guys in the next episode.